got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have a short show today. We're out at 5 o'clock. We've got... Hawk Talk with Ray Bouchard of the KU volleyball team coming up at 5 o'clock here on KLWN. Then, after that, 5.45, pregame coverage starts for the KU women's basketball team. They're playing on the road against Nebraska up in Lincoln, looking to remain undefeated, headed in to Big 12 play. We also got Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining the show. He'll come on at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We've got Florida Man Mad Libs and Bill Self Audio. we got a KU mailbag today. Very fun, loaded show. It's a short show, but it, uh, it's going to be an exciting one. Exciting yeah. stuff. Um, today was National Signing Day, or the first, I guess, the early open period for college football. And it's not the end because there's obviously the regular signing period that's coming up. There's still the transfer portal being opened up. So it's not you know, the be-all, end-all and, and when everything becomes final in what is a very fluid situation always with the building of college football rosters. But today we had a, a bunch of the high school commits sign. Uh, the kids on the list, I'll just quickly go through here. I'm not going to, you know, give you info on every player. Uh, Marcus Calvin, Jamil Croft, Taylor Davis, Calvin Clements, Tony Terry Jr., Blake Harold, Jared, Jared Sample, Keaton Kubeka, Jaden Ham, Logan Brantley, Johnny Thompson, and Siraz Buncombe. Uh, I'll get into this in a second with just kind of the, the overall themes there of the class. Uh, those are 12 players who signed. There were 13 players who were committed to Kansas coming into the day. So you might be asking, well, who's the one player who didn't end up signing? That would be one case in Wiseman, who is a quarterback committed to the team. He went and visited Colorado earlier this week. Today, he announced his decommitment from the program and that he's going to take more time to evaluate everything. So I guess it's still possible he would he would yeah. pick KU, but at this point, I but mean, how often do you see that happen, say, right? Generally speaking, when a guy decommits... He's probably going to end up doesn't come back going somewhere else. Yeah, correct. But um, I mean, I don't. You don't need to be alarmed. I think if you're a Kansas fan, by that you've got Jalen Daniels for another two years, Ethan Vasco, yeah, Ben, ben Easters, Easters this year. Yep. And so it's not like it's a. I don't think it's a real devastating blow. No, and I saw somebody say to me, "But do they have enough real quarterback competition?" Well, do you think they're not going to ever bring in another quarterback? Like they'll probably go out <laughs> and get a different high school kid, or they'll get somebody in the transfer portal either this or next year. They'll find somebody else out there. And honestly, like you wouldn't with Jalen Daniels. What competition are you going to have? Like, yeah. Like well, with, with Jason Bean leaving, I definitely it'll be think Daniels. because of Jalen's injury history, it is important for this team to have a good backup quarterback. I believe okay. Ethan Vasco can eventually be that, maybe even next yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. And who knows? Maybe we'll see somebody in the transfer portal, but um, Jason Bean, maybe you can convince him to come back for yeah, another I guess season. He's, he's I not know. 100% done, mm-hmm. although it seems like he might be. But So that's the one. Now, as far as we'll get into some transfer portal additions that were announced today from from different players. KU didn't denounce it because they, they can't talk about them until they're like enrolled yet. 
Uh, but when you look at this class of, of the recruits, three receivers in tow, which is always interesting and in a position that um, KU wanted to kind of re- restock, retool, and, and add some guys in this year. Yep. We talked about Jaden Ham and Calvin Clements, the meaning of that for the local in-state recruiting and both guys that I think long-term could really help you. Uh, Marcus Calvin at a defensive tackle spot. You're going to need D lineman. I don't know that you expect a true freshman to come in and play right away, but he's six foot two, three hundred and two pounds from St. Petersburg, Florida. So if anybody was to play right away, like that might be the one that you would uh, kind of circle there. And then some of your other defensive linemen, maybe guys that would be more of the ilk, like Tony Terry Jr., 6'3", 240 pounds is the end. It's going to take him a couple years to get in the strength and conditioning program and and get right for everything. Same with a guy like Blake Harold, who's a D-tackle at 6'3", 255. Players who you could develop into something and have the frames for it with their height, but you're going to look to to build up. Uh, the guy that I'm really excited for is Logan Brantley. He is a six foot two, two hundred and eleven pound linebacker from Cherry Creek High School in Colorado. He was a three star recruit. He uh, led him to a state title game. Um, he is a kid who had to KU had to fend off a last second push from Colorado, and he ended up sticking with KU. I uh, Lance Leipold spoke today. We'll have that audio. I don't think we're gonna have time this week just with. Uh, short shows or no shows this week, but probably next Tuesday before the Arkansas game to share all the audio he had to say about the, the different signings, and he was really high on him. He even said, and you don't hear coaches say this very often, he said, I'm kind of expecting him at some point in his career to be a captain of the defense. That's very high praise. You yeah. Know? yeah, for a guy that you haven't even gotten into the locker room yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy that you did not mention that I'm interested in is Johnny Thompson, the running back who mm. had a lot of interest from USC. Yeah, good call. And then flipped for Kansas. And, you know, I mean, when you look at the running back room, you you think it's crowded right now, right? But Devin Neal's about to be going into his third season. He's about to be a Yeah, junior, he could go right? pro after his exactly. year, right? Yeah, exactly. And Daniel Hyshaw is another guy, I think, that's going into his third, second or third season, maybe. I think he, this – will this be his third season? Because he had an injury last season, right, that kept him out the whole year. So this would technically be his third season. Mm-hmm. But in terms of eligibility, he probably would have some extra time because of the injury. But, yeah, I mean, he seems like he could be an exciting addition to the running back room also. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, I should probably mention Jameel Croft, who is a corner who had interest from a bunch of Big Ten schools. And I think we talked with Kevin Flair about this. uh, Detroit? Yes, the guy from Detroit, which you continue that kind of Detroit pipeline, which has certainly worked out for you with guys like Rich Miller and Marvin Grant. And this is a kid who had an outstanding senior season in high school. That if he would have, I don't know, been around in high school another season, that hype would have, it almost makes you feel like he would have eventually popped up into being like a four star recruit. Uh, that kid could be a steal, and you just add him to what I think could be. I mean, you have a lot of talent, I think, in that secondary for next year on paper. Yeah. Kenny Logan, yeah. Marvin Grant, OJ Burroughs can all come back. Kalen Gervin, Kobe Bryant, Romello Dotson. You had this kid and Jabil Croft again. You don't know how much true freshman's going to play, but uh, I would just say this. I, I know for some people, they're under the the boat that I am. There's other people who do look at some of the recruiting rankings. And I'll say this, like recruiting rankings do matter in terms of you look at typically which teams win the most games or which teams win the college football playoff. It's the teams who have the better recruits, right? It's easier if you have all that. Yeah. And when you have the best recruits and mix it with the best player development, that's how you become really, really good. But Kansas is not a team that is going to be popping up in those top 25 recruiting rankings. Look at Kansas State. Kansas State was ninth in their like aggregate 
recruiting rankings among Big 12 schools. They were ninth for the current roster, which takes into class like the last four years of classes, right? They just won the Big 12. For schools like Kansas, it is more about the player development. So I don't really care if, again, if, if you were to say, oh, Kansas is the third in the Big 12 in recruiting, that would get my ears perked up. But the difference between Kansas or a school like Kansas State or some of these developmental programs between being the seventh and the ninth best or the 10th best in the Big 12 in these rankings, I don't really care because this staff is all about uh, development and also because they're only bringing in like 12-man classes and then they're going to fill it with the transfer portal. So I care more about the transfer portal rankings and the player development than I do the other stuff. And and I think a lot of these players will turn into good guys. Yeah, and I do, I do think there's something to be said about, you know, once you get into like, Oh, are they are they sixth? Are they seventh? Are they eighth? Like that, you're really splitting hairs. Like, how much point. would you really care if today, instead of Kansas being ranked 73rd in the country, they were ranked 58th? Yeah, does that do yeah. anything I mean, really, for you? You're, you know? I think you're really splitting hairs at that yeah. point, just in terms of of like find you know, the right what, fits what they can do and, and guys that you can develop. And exactly. Like, what's I mean, what's what's Lance Lightbold's calling card? Developmental development. Like that's that's literally like his thing, right? So from that standpoint, you want guys that. Are good character guys, are guys that you feel like can't you can develop or you can mold in however you would want to, want to use them, right? And obviously for KU, part of that development discussion is continuity of coaching, which they certainly have that now, right? With Lance now signing his contract, Andy Kolnicki signing his contract, like they can go in and say, hey, you're gonna you are gonna be in this program for three or four years, and you're going to develop into x player or whatever right like they can say that and they can say we're going to be here right with you the whole time right and there are a lot of other programs that can't really say that right now right in fact probably very few that can definitively say that like kansas can for to say hey our head coach our offensive coordinator our assistant coaches we're going to be here for the next four five six seven years right other schools can't say that yeah I'm sure that helps you out. Um, now, I did say, like, I, I do care about from the transfer portal side of things because that's a little less about development. It's yeah, those more are about, guys that are hopefully going to create an impact right away. Yes, yeah. and so you do care about what they've kind of done and, and what that comes in with. Three new players for Kansas. A um, couple defensive linemen and also a, another kicker. I think we talked about uh, another one kicker. of the new defensive linemen yesterday, though, with uh, – the Gage Keys kid from yeah, we talked about Gage. Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, so they had another one. But, yeah, another kicker. Does I, I'm starting to wonder if the K in KU stands for kicker because uh, we are now Kicker University kicker here. Kicker University. In Lawrence. Um, well, so this is the guy that I think yes, that we brought got up a lot of attention a little bit ago. from uh-huh. KU fans because he's a, he's from Blue Valley. Yes. And that got a lot of attention from KU fans. And then they ended up signing Seth Keller, who was a different guy out of the transfer portal. But then this guy, Charlie Weinrich, who was somebody that we did talk about, Ends up coming coming back to Kansas as yeah. well. Yeah, commits to Kansas. He was at Nebraska last season after, like you said, originally at Blue Valley High School in Stillwell. He did not kick for Nebraska this past year, redshirted. But in high school, he kicked a 51-yarder his season long as a junior and a 57-yarder in his senior season. Now, I, I don't have a ton of yards. Yeah, available kicker stats on with, Blue Valley High School. With the wind? I don't know. But either way, that's impressive, man. And... uh yeah, it just it. You have competition now in the kicking room, which is good. But also, I think Keller only has one more year left, so you would be needing another kicker after that anyway. Yeah. So I mean, if Weinrich, even if he loses out on the job to Keller, okay, well you have him for the next three years. Yeah. Yeah. Now the other get that Kansas grabbed out of the transfer portal, Devin Phillips, earlier today, 
He is from Colorado State. He's a defensive tackle. This is going to be his sixth season of college football. So you're talking about a very experienced guy, which this kind of tells you, like, hey, Kansas is losing a lot on the interior of that defensive line. We need yeah. somebody who can help right away. I don't care if he's a multi-year guy or, or somebody right now. He didn't play a ton last year. Um, I don't know if that was something to do with the transfer or if he was just injured a bunch. Uh, but he played just 159 snaps, didn't play in every game. It was his lowest graded out season on Pro Football Focus. But if he was injured, that would certainly account for why. Because he had been a really productive player the two years previous. 2021, he had 33 tackles, two and a half sacks. And it's not that those numbers jump off the page, because when you're an interior defense tackle, you're not going to have a bunch of stats that, that yeah. unless you're like yeah. Aaron Donald or Chris Jones. <laughs> um, but... His, his pro football focus grades were excellent. So in 2021, he had about a 75 overall grade. He was a 77 run defender, 79 tackling grade, and about a 70 pass rusher. All of those are very good. If you can be you know 70 or above in different areas, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, and then in 2020, he had a 76 overall grade, an 81.5 run defense grade, 76 as a tackler, 66 as a pass rusher. The things that I circle the most are the run defense part. Because what has Kansas had problems with these fa first two years, and especially down the stretch here of this season? Yeah. Stopping the run. Well, now you have a big defensive tackle who can really plug the middle and has been a really good run defender. That is a huge pickup for Kansas at a position that you're going to be losing a handful of guys. Yeah, kind of circling back to that discussion with, with Lance and the staff is one of the other impressive things I think about them is when they identify a position of need or an area of need or a deficiency – they work really aggressively to try to fill that. And we've seen that with this recruiting class and with this transfer portal class as well, right? Kicking. You were the worst Big 12 team kicking this season. They've gone out and gotten now two kickers in the transfer portal, right? Like one kicker, you're like, okay, good job. Yeah, we got a kicker. Two kickers, it's like, oh, you know, they this is really a serious. Like they've taken this very seriously, right? And then you look at the other issue is on the D-line. You've got multiple guys, on the especially on the interior D-line, that are going to be graduating. Sam Burt, Caleb Sampson, uh, not Malcolm Lee, I think, but no, Malcolm Sam Lee will be gone. Yeah, but he's oh, he'll technically be gone too? a D end. Yeah, yeah. So Samson, Burt, I'm missing. Oh, Eddie Wilson, Eddie Wilson, Eddie Ronald Wilson. McGee. Yeah. So um, basically, you're losing, you know, three or four or five guys on the on the D line. And remember, this is a D line that Brian Borland had talked about how they like to do like almost platoon, right? So they want to get a lot of bodies in there on the D line, and so they're losing some of those guys. And look what they've done already in the transfer portal. Gage Keys coming in, Devin Phillips as well. They got some guys, some high school guys that are interior defensive linemen as well. So I think that's another one of the very impressive things about what Lance Leipold and the staff have done is, is that once they once they identify like, hey, we need to shore up this position or, hey, we need to go out and address this, they've they've very aggressively gone and tried to do that, right? Now, it's obviously, it's a question of will it pan out, right? Can you get those guys on the program and get everything going and everything? And will your kickers pan out? But like just the fact that they've put that much time and effort into addressing those positions that they've identified that as – positions of need I think is is just another thing that you can add to the list of what kind of makes I think the staff really impressive with their continuity and what they do is they're going to go out and they're going to try to fix what they think needs to be fixed right and they're going to do that aggressively which I think is really really cool all right before we go to break I have some uh breaking news oh breaking you're news. not going to believe this this is actually wild wait I'm not going to believe it former Jackson State quarterback Shadir Sanders has committed to Colorado State Colorado <laughs> Playing for his dad. Who would have thought? Well, I remember Travis Hunter's in the portal as well. Uh, yeah. And obviously we suspect. Well, we did you see today? 
he has a YouTube channel and he said he's not going to pick a school till he reaches like, I think it was like 100,000 subscribers. On his YouTube channel? Yeah, it'd be funny if he never reached that. That's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire we're life. We're like, we're like in 2024. And he hasn't committed. He still hasn't picked. He's like, I'm at 89,000. Okay, you know why that's stupid? Well, because there's many reasons you, it's, it's stupid. NIL. You, you, I mean, I know. If, if, you know, if you want subscribers to YouTube channel for money, <laughs> you're in NIL. <laughs> you can just go get the you. money yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. That is dumb. He's Nick Springer. I'm not, I'm not subscribed, by the way. <laughs> I'm Derek. What in, it, in protest. If if he guaranteed he would come to Kansas if you subscribed, would you do it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I folded like a cheap chair, man. Oh, also Eric Gilbert, former five-star tight end, Georgia tight end. He's like their third string because they had so many great tight ends, but also formerly, I think, LSU. He's entered the transfer portal. I say bring him in, Kansas. Have the even, I don't know, at that point, yes. have the greatest tight end room yes. in, in the world. Hey, also, JT Daniels going to Rice. Which is that's make any weird. Sense. I also don't like the fact that he has like I think he has two more years left of eligibility. How's that even possible? That's he's what I've been to like seven. Under the same thing doesn't make sense. He's been to seven schools. No, he's, he's the Jalen Coleman he's lands been to of football. Except schools. it's he's more to, wild he's because he's been more schools. noticeable. He's yeah. been to fifty schools. He's been to eighty-seven schools. <laughs> he's been to ninety-three schools. How does he still have eligibility left? <laughs> The cap was 93. He's been to 126 <laughs> schools. He's Nick Springer. I'm How Derek Johnson. 120, 131 schools. Yeah. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some uh, audio coming up next. KU Mailbag after that. This is RCST. All right. We got Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. But I'm excited for this one. We got some good questions in there. Thank you to everybody who submitted for our KU mailbag this week. And uh, if you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. If you're wondering what Venue 1235 is, well, they're a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. All right, KU Mailbag. For the week, we start up with a question from Frank. Which is a topic of more erratic, irrational KU fanaticism? Number one, circus font. Number two, the 1941 Jayhawk, known by others as the Warhawk. Number three, Fran Fraschilla. He says, I realize that the most irrational KU fanaticism lies in its mythology of the 1996-97 Sweet 16 squad, but as I sit here in my Jock Vaughn jersey, I feel remiss. <laughs> I, I, have, I have no problem with bringing up the 96-97 squad because I will say, I, I'm sure from a local standpoint, a lot of people hear about it a lot. But from a national standpoint, it doesn't get it brought up as much as it should as maybe like the 2014-15 Kentucky and some other teams that are the greatest all time to never win a title. Um, so that said, among these three, I would go with number three. Fran? Yes. Now, this is in general, I mean, maybe I'm just a defender of announcers or something, but I I don't understand the hate. No, I don't either. I really don't. Like, I don't either. He's a really nice guy. He A lot of times he'll have talking points during the game, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but a lot of times the talking points that the announcers go over are Things that they talked to both coaches about before the game and yeah. got some like little insight on the teams, and they're basically relaying that to you, the audience. So if Fran Fraschilla says, Yeah, they're not guarding ball screens well enough right now, 
there's a good chance. Yeah, maybe he did see some of that on tape, but that Bill Self said that in, in the interview. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, kind of don't shoot the messenger. But also, yeah. um, people freak out whenever an announcer, like, spends time saying something nice about the other team. And it's always, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, it's always when your team is playing poorly to where either the other team is going on a run and making it a close well, game or the other team is you, winning. You which, may have an interesting uh, opinion on this, but this mm-hmm. reminds me of Kansas City Royals fans and Joe Buck. In the 2014 yeah. World Series, Like they hated him, like despised him because he wouldn't stop talking about yes. Madison Bumgarner. Yes, yes, no, no, 100%. It's like when things are happening against your team, you view it as, oh, this guy just loves the other team. But in yeah. reality... The announcer is just trying to go with what the national story is. The announcer is not doing the game for the home team. Nope. He's not doing the game for the I mean, away unless, team. Obviously, unless you're well, listening yes, to you know I mean. the team. Correct. That, the team broadcast. He is doing it for, he or she is doing the broadcast for a national audience. Yeah. So what is the national storyline? And if he, the other team happens to be playing well and nearly upsets Kansas, for the national audience, it is the fact that the other team is about to. So I, I don't get the hatred there. I think he does a good job. Uh, I like hearing him on the calls. Yeah, you know, I like Frank. It's, it's whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, the Warhawk though really gets yeah, people going. Really gets people. going. Well, I think just in general, number one and number two tie into to, to something that is similar. It is just the idea of talking about jerseys, right? <laughs> jerseys and uniforms or helmets. Yes, or, you know. And I'll be honest, like. Don't get me wrong. I like seeing a cool jersey, and I hope they wear cool jerseys every game. But that is not really a conversation that I am one of those people who I'm like, oh, I got to get on social media and see what the newest jersey. Like, again, there's <laughs> exceptions. Like, the uh, the, the Beware of the Fog uniforms yeah, what that they, they just wore last week. Like, those are yeah. really cool. Those that's, cool. Yeah. But I'm also not going to have a 10-minute diatribe about why this is cool and how this uniform is cooler than that uniform or this year's is completely different and I hate this year's and I love last Like. Overall, a lot of the jerseys are pretty similar, and, and uniforms are overall pretty similar. So, yeah, I don't know. But but if that's your thing, you know, I don't mind it. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. This one from Tanner. What is more likely, Arkansas blows out Kansas or Kansas blows out Arkansas? Ooh. I kind of go back and forth on this one. I think if you're going to look at it, I think if you're going to claim that it's Kansas more likely to blow out Arkansas, you'd have to say... Well, Arkansas has a bunch of their team not playing. They maybe don't really care. This is Kansas' first bowl game. They're going to be juiced up, whatever, right? But on the flip side, like, what concerns me is Arkansas could easily just run for, like, a billion yards in this game. And that would, I think, lend itself to them blowing out Kansas, right? Like, if Arkansas just absolutely and can't, if Kansas can't stop anything and Arkansas is getting seven, eight, nine yards of carry, like, it could, it could, turn into a blowout but on the flip side Kansas's offense is good enough or we think it's good enough to make you believe that it wouldn't be a like yeah. like at that point it would be like a situation where like if Arkansas wins you know 45 to 34 where the Kansas offense was able to do everything they wanted to do but it was never really a game because Arkansas was so dominant offensively like would you call that a blowout if it's 45 to 34 no, no, I wouldn't. So then, um, so then I think maybe you'd have to go with Kansas just by virtue of there's a lot more factors that would make you believe that Arkansas maybe is not going to care. They already are missing a lot of their players, you know, like I said, versus even if Arkansas, like, for instance, if the offense is doing really well for Arkansas against KU's defense, we we agree that KU's offense we think is good enough to keep them in the game. Yes. 
Yeah, so this is actually funny. I was reading the, the KU na- game notes that come out today. I mean, these teams are so similar. Uh, Arkansas is ranked 26th in total offense, 123rd in total defense. Kansas is 38th in total offense, 122nd in total defense. So they're very similar in that way. Very good offenses, defenses that that have kind of left something to be desired. Which kind of leads you to believe that maybe the best answer to this question is neither. <laughs> yeah. Like I, neither one of them is going to blow you. I think that is the real answer. But I guess if I have to pick one, because that is the question, and this is a KU mailbag, I would actually go with the Kansas side. I, I would buy into the idea that what if Arkansas does not care about the game? Yeah. And we've already seen or, all these you know, players. Or, you know, if Kansas, let's say Kansas gets a stop and they get out to like a 14-3 to lead or whatever. Arkansas, do we? would they just fold at that point? Would they just pack it in? Yeah, and, and what happens if the Kansas defense off the long time off? And I know you could say the same thing about Arkansas, but here's why it's different. Arkansas has a bunch of players opting out. So what's the stop? Kansas, we've seen them play a lot better defensively when they've had a little bit more time in between games. And like I'm looking at the Arkansas two deep right now. There is a lot of freshmen and redshirt freshmen and sophomores. I mean, for yeah. instance, yeah, defensively, because Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders. Uh, Drew Sanders are going to be out among some others. Uh, their defensive tackle, redshirt freshman for one of the two. Their other defensive end, sophomore. Will linebacker, freshman. Mike linebacker, redshirt freshman. These are the starters. Um, one of their cornerbacks is a freshman. Nickelback is a sophomore. And then you go further if you go to like some of the backups who are freshmen and so forth. So I do think there is a real world where Kansas' offense, which has already been really good against Arkansas's defense, which has been bad and is missing some of their best players. Yeah. Andy Kolenicki has a bunch of time to prepare. He does. Has a bunch more wrinkles in the Kansas offense. They think. put up 45 points. The Kansas defense plays one of their better t- games with time off. And it's 45 to 24, and Kansas wins in what we could deem as a blowout. So I would be okay. leaning Kansas there. Uh, but you're right. There is a chance Arkansas could do it to Kansas just because of the running game if Kansas can't stop the run. This one from Shiloh. You can build one perfect KU basketball player out of traits of every player on the team. All right. So I wrote all, I wrote all these down. So let me, know if you, let me know if I missed anybody. Grady Dick shooting. Yes. KJ Adams' motor and conditioning. Dewan Harris's passing slash court awareness. Kevin McCuller's defense. Jalen Wilson's just scoring at the rim. Zach Clement's confidence from three. Joe's leaping ability. MJ Rice's athleticism. Ernest's dunking ability. Zuby's rebounding ability. Michael Jankovic's clutch shooting. The guy never misses late in games. He doesn't. Never misses late in a game. Have you, have you seen him miss late in a game? I, I have haven't. not, no. So Jankovic's clutch shooting. <laughs> And Cam Martin's post moves, I think. We haven't actually seen him do it, but I think he may have. <laughs> Just in theory. Well, it's like, I don't know who else to pick for the post moves, you know? Um, <laughs> Did, I, yeah, get, okay. Did so, I get everybody there? So Grady's shooting, KJ's motor, Dewan's passing. McCoy defending. Yeah. Jalen's scoring. Zach Clements confident. Because listen, Zach Clements, he's not very good from three, but no, he's confident. He's ready to We've got the confidence. I like that. Yeah, yeah, Joe's. I mean, Joe's got like 40 inch vertical. Yep. MJ's just overall like strength athleticism might yep. be the way of putting that. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that all that all nailed it. If you had to do this from a standpoint of just like physical attributes, like in terms of, so the vertical would probably be Joe Yasufu, right? Um, like, the what do you mean? I strength, guess, like from physical, mean I mean physical like strength, attributes? speed, verticality. Okay, so like KJ Adams' the, strength, I would think. KJ's strength. Who would be the fastest guy on the team? Would that be like, Joe? Well, but you said Joe leaping ability. I mean, you could find out. Why can't you pick the same guy well, for multiple this says, spots? This says you build one perfect basketball player out of traits of every player on the team. Well, so I, I'm oh, so the you're viewing you, it as you I'm have to it take as, something from everybody on well, the I'm team. Well, I'm viewing it as, yes, you only take one trait per player. 
and every, you take one trait from everybody. That's what I did. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Honestly, you could argue that KJ from the just athleticism side is the answer. From outside, like, what of do like you mean? Shoot, just the athleticism side, the, the jumping, running. Well, I know, but then I couldn't think of anything to come up. With no, I know, I, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like in general, which I, I think speaks to KJ's athleticism. You could argue KJ is like, is the perfect is the perfect athlete for the team. Six foot seven, runs really fast, runs really hard, jumps really high, very strong. Like he's probably in the top. Yeah percentile yeah. in all of those categories for Kansas. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you just do that and then you add a couple of those like the Dewan passing and the Grady Dick shooting. But I don't see how this player ever misses a shot. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yeah, well, I mean, if you had the height of, uh, I guess, who's the tallest guy on the team? Probably Ernest. Ernest, Ernest definitely has the longest 11? wingspan. Yeah, Ernest would be the one you would give the wingspan to, by the way. Um, okay, true, yeah, true. Yeah, they're getting every shot off over everybody. Yep. This one from Bill. Bill Self? Question mark? Bill? No, it is, is not. Is that you? No. Uh, Bill, power rank which Jayhawk logos would do best in a fight? Okay, so I I real I took this question as one way, but I just realized now that you read it out loud that it could be viewed differently. So I took this question as if all the Jayhawk logos fought each other, who would win? Should That's I, how I viewed it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in that, th- in that discussion, I think the 1941 Jayhawk Warhawk has to win, I would think. What I actually think is more of an interesting discussion regarding this question is who would be the worst? Because you got 1912 with a super skinny leg. Yeah. And you got 1929 who's just like a regular bird. So 1912 would get his legs snapped in half. So I actually, I I don't know that 1941 is winning for sure. Have you seen the 1929? Is that the the big fat one? No, 1912, I don't know what you consider. What's there? Because there's like... There, there's the 1912, which is the one with the skinny legs. Yeah, 1912 is the skinny legs one. Then there's the like the one that just looks like a regular bird. Like yeah, the, the, like the crow. The, yeah, when's that one? Is that that one is 1920, I think. Okay, and then after that, is that after that is the one is that's the, the tall like and derpy kinda, hawk, and that, the that one is like 1922. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the one hawk. I'm talking about, I don't know what year it is. 1940 maybe. Oh, the one before 41. Dude, that no. one looks angry. That one no. looks like he is on a mission to go kick some <laughs> tail. I think I'm taking that one in a fight. No, I do remember looking at that one because that one looks like he might be more rough around the edges. Yes. Which maybe gives him an advantage, like, you know, like some street cred type stuff. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like he's yes. like he's like, you know, he's from a he's from an area uh-huh. of town you don't want to go visit very often. No. Now he's gonna come beat you up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he I, goes so he could maybe he could take down nineteen forty one. I think that's a great fight though. And then the modern Jayhawk is like, he's like in fine, between, right? He's yeah, just a normal dude. Yeah, he's know? just a regular guy. But like yeah, definitely a, the the, re- the modern Jayhawk is just a regular guy. Probably has like a regular office job. You know, I have he, no he idea. He could probably fight if he wanted to, but he's not like you know going to fight. I have no idea what to do with the uh, the 1921, the crow. Yeah, I don't know, because like I guess it would just, just fly away. I mean, yeah, just a crow, right? But 1912, his legs are he would his legs yes. are getting snapped. He's done. Counterpoint though, he's got long legs. He's got like a, a long wingspan with his legs. Or maybe he yeah, can run fast. Or he can kick you. Kick you from far away. <laughs> uh this one from Kyle. Since you looked at the best defenders in the self era, which guys were you surprised were not better defensively? For me, there are two that come to mind and both could have suffered from saving it for the offense, Ochai and T Rob. So I, I think the Ochai thing brings up a fun conversation when we were talking about defense and the idea of there's a difference between being a good on-ball defender versus being a good off-ball defender. And then if you're good at both, that's where you can really, really excel. Sure. Ochai was a pretty good on-ball defender. If, if you had the ball and you were going at him, he could defend you well. He was a good athlete. 
Oshai would fall asleep sometimes off the ball and get beat on back cuts and, and dunks or uh, leave a guy open from three in the corner. And that was kind of the difference there. I don't really know what the I, I started thinking about this in my head because were, I think were either of the Morris twins like good at defense? I, I know in the NBA they've both turned into solid defenders, but I don't remember enough watching well, like they them were, to know. They, they scored a lot. Yeah, but but the thing is when you're viewing this, it, it has to be someone who you were surprised wasn't a good defender. And it's like, oh, Brandon Green wasn't a good defender. Like, I get it. That makes sense. <laughs> so if you have to be surprised, it has to be either someone like a center who's really tall and athletic or just a really athletic wing, I yeah. think, for the most part. And there haven't been a lot of those guys who have not actually been good defenders. I mean, you could argue... I mean, I guess maybe like if you wanted to be like, well, Josh Jackson was a good defender, but he wasn't as good as he could have been. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, I, that's what I was going to say. You could do with, like, Andrew Wiggins. You can be like, you know, he was a good defender, and at times you would classify him as good on-ball defender but would get lost off the ball. But he was also a freshman. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a great answer for this one, but um, I don't know. Probably one of the freshmen w- would make sense. But again, you give them the caveat. They are a freshman. Um, yeah. So I don't know what to do. By the way, we we had some uh, audio. I don't think we're going to have time to get to it. But uh, from Hawk Talk last night, shout out Brian Haney, who we're going to have on the show here. He asked Bill Self, and he, he gave our show credit uh, with KLWN, mentioned nice. on Hawk Talk, nice. uh, asking him about his all-time starting five lineup defensively. He picked three centers, which I think he ended up <laughs> going with the top five defenders. How about a shout out to Landon Lucas? That was uh, a good from, from him there. Uh, anyway, this one from Mike. Do you think you could kill a full-grown T-Rex with a shotgun? And no. by the way, he clarified, you have the shotgun, not the T-Rex. <laughs> Definitely not killing. Actually, with the T-Rex having the shotgun give you a better chance, because there's no way with he would be able short to sh- arms it would be able no, to No, he would it, not be able to hit nor you. Nor does he understand what it is. But It he, might but, just distract but him. But then you wouldn't have... But I, under the, that's true. Under the pretense of this question is that you would not have anything to <laughs> okay, fight yeah, back fair. with. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So Maybe he you, accidentally so you shoots need, himself. You need to have possession of the shotgun here, I think, to have the best chance. But even still, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think. I think you would not no. win this. What a, a full-grown T-Rex is like massive. Well, I, I like, don't know like, enough. Like with the T-Rex, you would not scales. be able, to, like you would not be able to run away from the T-Rex and shoot enough shotgun shots no. into it to take it out. I don't. Think. No, I agree. But like, would the shotgun even really penetrate its skin? I don't, I don't know. Well, I was trying to think, like, would it be best to aim for, like, the chest or just try to go for, like, its head? You know Probably its head. You get the like, eye, just, maybe blind it. Yeah, you yeah. keep running around. That might give you a better chance. I think I would need one of those, like, chain guns. You know that they like have a, in, like, the helicopters? Like a mini gun? Like, mo- yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would work. For one sure, of those? Probably. I think I could do it no way with a shotgun. I don't, yeah, I don't think the shotgun would work because my guess is because also remember with the shotgun you'd have to be really close to him for it to be really effective yes so you you i think you would basically get like one one shot like one really good shot oh, that's not it enough before it like ate you you know mm-hmm. so if you if you didn't get it a really good shot on the first shot you're probably you're probably cooked this one from jayhawk josh why do you hate andrew wiggins who said, who said they hate Andrew Wiggins? So I, I don't remember saying this. I don't know if this was in reference to our show yesterday. We had Matt Tate on, and we, we talk about came up with our, our top 10 defenders. We, we brought him up, Andrew Wiggins, I want to say, but we didn't pick him for the team. So I don't know if this is what it's in reference to. Outside of that, I have only given praise to Andrew Wiggins, and I think he's I love Andrew definitely one of the more underrated players. I mean, he averaged 17 points per game as a freshman. I know the season didn't go as well as you might have hoped, and his final impression with struggling in his final game left a lot to be desired there but overall you, you you asked so much of a freshman and he pretty much delivered in a lot of ways yeah so i i love andrew wiggins i the that would be my only guess of why he's asking that 
And he's um, great to watch in the NBA. So too. two things. One, just because I didn't pick somebody to be one of the 10 greatest at something in 20 years of Bill Self does not mean I hate the player. Wait, that, so you hate every KU player that you didn't like? I know. Like, wow. come on. Like, what are we doing here? You're and a second of all, person. we did bring him up. So if he's one of the top 20 instead of top 10. I, I'm sorry. So I do not hate Andrew. You hate every single KU player. Uh, this played. one from Skip to finish things off is Die Hard a Christmas movie. Yes. Easily. So my easily my short answer is sure. My real answer is I do not give a bleep. Why not? Because it doesn't matter if it's a Christmas movie or not. It's a good movie. I don't care. What what is it impact if it's a Christmas movie or not? If you watch it at Christmas. But you can watch. I I watch non Christmas movies at Christmas. I watch Christmas movies at Christmas. Why you're more likely to watch a Christmas movie at Christmas. So you're more likely to watch it at Christmas. See, this is the debate I care. Probably the the this and the is the hot dog a sandwich. I do not care. Oh, you don't care about the hot dog sandwich debate either. Anything at all. Sorry, Skip. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That hurts a Christmas movie. One hour down, two to go. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joins us next. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Out early today at 5 for uh, Hawk Talk with Ray Bouchard. And then we have a pregame for the K-Women's basketball game at uh, 5.45 with tip-off at 6 o'clock. Joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, who you'll be able to hear on the call of the Harvard game tomorrow. That'll be a short show tomorrow as well, leading into that one with pregame 4.30, tip-off at 6 o'clock. I uh, talked to you yesterday at, at the media availability, and, and thank you for asking that question to, to Coach Self last night at Hawk Talk about the all-time starting five for the uh, the defensive lineup. And uh, I I kind of asked a variation of that to Matt Tate, who we had on on yesterday's show, and we came up with like a, a 10-man team. And I asked him if this duo of Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris was the best Bill Self duo of defenders. And we kind of went through the list, and, and the ones that I, I think maybe – I don't know, had the most credence or, or argument up the top. I might be forgetting something, but Jeff Withy and Travis Relliford were certainly up there. Mario and Russ Robb, or you could do Russ Robb and, and Brandon Rush, obviously Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris, but the one that, that seemed to easily win out was was Marcus Garrett and Yudoka Azubuki. I would love to have like Cole in there, but I don't know who the, the other would be as part of that. I don't know if you ever played like NBA Jam growing up, but I just envisioned all these different <laughs> duos. But instead of the, it has like the three point stat and the dunking stat. It just has steals, blocks, and I don't know something else with defense. But um, who who would be the best duo that you would go to, and and where do you think this duo with McCuller and Dewan ranks up there? Well, first off, of course I played NBA Jam. It's all I can do to hold back on saying. <laughs> Every time we see a big jam, I, I know that you probably couldn't get away with that. But I, I love those calls. He's heating up. Mm-hmm. He's on fire. <laughs> and and they actually make some pretty classic throwback tees with like the duos from back then or modern day NBA stars in like the 16-bit Sega Genesis graphics, you know, from, mm. from that era video game. So, yeah, I, I totally remember that. I was an, originally a 8-bit Nintendo guy with, like, uh, oh, what was the name of the Larry Bird basketball game? You'd have to Google it for me. But uh, that was the original. Oh, I was, like, Double Dribble, I, I think, was the original game I played way, way, way before your time. But then NBA Jam for me was like high school years and totally my jam. So thank you for the reference. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it's hard to go against Judoka and Marcus when they both 
one at least one publication's national defensive player of the year to have two guys on the same team that were recognized within the same season as the pinnacle defensively i don't know that we'll ever you know see something quite like that again and yet you could argue that mcculler and and harris will both be on the short list for similar honors it was just so special to have a rim protector on the back line who if he didn't block three shots a game he was altering 10 more or a guy like Garrett who could lock you up on the perimeter and honestly guard at least four of the five positions and and many times we'd see him guard a power forward type too you know or mix it up with a big fella um, you know, so so some would say he could guard all five, but the positional versatility of his ability and then the rim protection of, of Yudoka Azubuki made that such a great combo. Because you could pick other pairs or NBA Jam duos, as you termed it, that, that are more comparably gifted, like playing the same spot, like you said, Russell and Mario. To me, the positional diversity of Garrett out top or really, you know, all over. He could just roam anywhere. Yeah. But Yudoka on the back line, that's what made them so special as a tandem. And and Kevin obviously has a lot of positional versatility. Juan is what Greg Gurley likes to call the fly in the ointment that's, that's nagging any and everybody along the perimeter. But to me, I, I don't know that Doka and, and Marcus will ever be topped based on those factors I just mentioned. Yeah, I think you're right, but uh, certainly these two guys are pretty special. So the Harvard game tomorrow, again, you can hear Brian on the call, pregame 4.30, tip-off at uh, 6 o'clock. And obviously no you know, polarizing matchups or uh, I guess anything that sticks out like, oh, how is Kansas going to defend Trace Jackson Davis? Not to say that Harvard doesn't have good players. They're, they're power forwards putting up you know, 18 and 9 as well, but just a little bit different there. So in a game that Kansas is going to be expected to win big, what are some of the things that you're most looking for in this game against Harvard? Yeah, you know, that's that's a good question because while Chris Ledlam has certainly posted big numbers, as you referenced, 6'6", 225-pound forward, um, you know, they don't have quite the imposing talent that some of the other teams that Kansas has faced in this non-conference stretch. And so uh, you want to be mindful, though, that they're very well coached with Tommy Amaker and Back in 2015, uh, it was a you know six-point game, essentially, I think 75-69. And so this is one that you certainly don't want to overlook. And it's so cliche to say, oh, it's the classic look-ahead before holiday break game. But we've seen this one before you know, be problematic for Kansas, uh, sometimes on the road, not at home. Plus, we don't know what the environment's going to be like tomorrow with uh, you know all the weather that's anticipated and, and will Kansas have to scramble if, if some fans can't make it in to make sure you got plenty of, of butts in those seats. But I, I think if the Jayhawks come out and take care of business, you know, play with the energy that we saw them play with, which will be hard to replicate, mind you, without the top 15 head-to-head and the Saturday showcase on national TV and all that that we have with Arkansas. But that was as imposing defensively of a Kansas team as, as we've seen all season. And obviously it reflects in the 17 steals that they had, five from Grady, five from Kevin, and the rip and runs that turned defense into offense with dunks on the other end, 2.5 seconds after the steal was made 75 feet away i mean they were just fast break points points off turnovers scoring at will with with the immediate cash in on those live ball turnovers and so that'll be tough to replicate um in in this matchup because you're probably not going to have the same atmosphere you're not going to have the same hype heading in but understand that if you take care of business 
you're going to feel a lot better about that holiday break. And as Coach Self has said numerous times this week, if they win this game, he can't imagine non-conference play having gone any better. Obviously, you set out to win them all. But when you consider all the projected tourney teams they will have faced, and and the ranked foes that they will have faced along the way, you know, possibly just a one-loss team. And right now on the projected one line, um, you know, for NCAA projections that are so far away right now, but top four team in the polls, all of that. Um, this would be a, a pretty good spot to, to hit a brief, uh, you know, four-day pause for the holidays and then get back after it on the, the 28th or so with practice. I know Coach mentioned last night that they're going to get an additional day away. So, so make sure that you're in the good graces of uh, the Hall of Famer as you hop on that plane to head home because you took care of your business and you can go home and enjoy that family time knowing that you're sitting in a great spot as opposed to that rare pre-holiday loss when you know that first practice coming back, whatever night it is, they're going to get you in right away and, and you're going to be uh, – working overtime for, for not closing out the business the way you needed to before the break. So that that's kind of the way I look at tomorrow night. And a lot of respect for Harvard, don't get me wrong, uh, but I do think Kansas can impose its will if they come in dialed in and focused like they should be. This will be the last time we chat with you before the Liberty Bowl because next week we uh, don't have a show on Monday, obviously no show on Wednesday with the game being at 4.30 and, and pregame at, at 3 o'clock. Um, as far as the matchup goes with, with Arkansas, they're going to be missing some very key players. What does KU have to do well to get the win? I mean, this is being seemed, seen as kind of a toss-up game. Both offenses could put up a lot of points. So what's kind of the biggest key for you for them to come out on top? Well, the, the quarterback-running back combination, you know, some have said is, is going to be the toughest QBRB combo that, that KU will have faced all season. And so don't allow... KJ Jefferson and Raheem Sanders, the Rocket Man, to go wild on you. Um, past that, I'm really curious to see like like who Jefferson's throwing the ball to with several of their key receivers out. Um, curious to see you know the defensive personnel on the two deep right now has multiple freshmen now listed in prominent roles, and can Kansas capitalize on that? You know, we'll see what it looks like when they finally take the field here in a week. But you know, all the reports we're getting are you know a handful of players, key players that are not anticipated to play on both sides of the ball. And so as I'm looking through and, and redoing my, my spotting boards and game charts today, I'm looking at, at some of these, these backups that are freshmen or redshirt freshmen that just offensively, for example, that, that have caught maybe two passes all year or zero passes, and now they're going to get a ton of snaps that they hadn't normally gotten. And, and so making sure that Kansas, who has much, much more of its continuity in place and, and essentially is a whole team heading in, uh, you know, can capitalize on its experience advantage. Arkansas may have experience as a program you know, that's, that's well-seasoned in, in the postseason and won nine games a year ago, including their bowl game, but they're going to be trotting out some guys in, in key spots that haven't logged a ton of action this year. And while many of them are, are blue-chip caliber guys, like some of these players on the 2D that, that maybe were, were third-string prior to some of their portal and draft and, and other, you know, bold affections, these are still four-star guys that, you know, had other opportunities to be other places, and they've only not played because they've been at such, 
you know, a powerful SEC school. So be mindful of what you're up against, but come in with swagger knowing, hey, you've got a lot more experience at some of these key spots. Let's go capitalize on it. And, and again, as we talked about a month ago when we were first talking about bull pairings and all that, so many times these games come down to who wants it more, who wants to be here. And, and I think for Kansas, they're going to come out with, with as much motivation as you could possibly expect from this team trying to give a starved fan base something we haven't seen in a decade and a half and, and do so in impressive fashion and make a statement to the rest of the college football world that, hey, Kansas football is on the climb. We may not have fully arrived, but we're coming for you. And, and I think a winning season shows that maybe they have arrived. Uh, if, if they could cap this thing with a win over an SEC team, no matter how much of, of their roster is playing, that would look awfully good and, and would make a statement that look out Kansas, uh, look out Big 12, because these Jayhawks only lost 12 seniors on senior day. They're going to come back largely intact next year with several key pieces added in. And this is a force to be reckoned with going forward with greater coaching continuity than we've ever had coming off success like this. And you think back to 07-08, that staff started to, to kind of crumble a little bit. And consequently, you know, they didn't capitalize as much in recruiting as they could have when they won those 20 games in two seasons. We've got coaching continuity like you'd really want to have it. And facilities upgrade an investment in, in all these things that, that keep the arrow pointed upward. And so let's back it up with an exclamation point on the end of what's already been the best season we've had in years. You know, first first times to be ranked in 675 weeks, first top 25 upset in 45 matchups, you know, first ever time to host ESPN College Game Day. All this has been great. Now let's cap it with a cherry on top with a nice bowl win against a brand-name school and then take all that momentum into the spring with the expectation that we're not a one-hit wonder, that, that this Kansas program under Lance Leipold is built to last, and we're going to start stringing and stacking these types of seasons together. That's my hope for this team. Do you have a favorite bowl game memory or something that just sticks out in your mind, whether it's your time that you were here with the show or, I don't know, even a Texas Tech, just something that happened with the team or, or I don't know, a most notable part of, of any past bowl game that you've kind of gotten to be around? Well, you know, there's, there's plenty of great memories, but I'll, I'll reference this one because I think we're going to have some fun with it down in Memphis. We're, we're going to have a special event at BB Kings. We've got a live Hawk Talk from 6 to 7, and a bunch of members – uh, this is the night before the bowl game, the 27th. A bunch of members of the Orange Bowl team are going to be there. We're going to have Brandon McAnderson and Kerry Meyer and Mike Rivera, former Tennessee Titan, up on stage. We're going to have, uh, let's see, who else is going to be with us down there? Derek Fine, former Buffalo Bill. And then Micah Brown, who's a, a multi-time Emmy Award-winning cinematographer. But you remember Micah as being uh, on the receiving end of a faked punt in the Orange Bowl where Brandon McAnderson hooked up with Micah on a play that if they didn't make it, Mangino might have made him walk home. I don't know. <laughs> but they pulled it off, and it was incredible. And the way they both tell the story of how it came about and how it went down and, and all that is awesome. So I'm going to ask these guys, since they're going to be on stage in front of a ballroom of about 300 people, for first a pep rally at 530 and then a live Hawk Talk from 6 to 7, I'm going to have them reenact it. And, and, and take me through exactly what both of them were thinking on that play. I mean, we remember some of the other big moments, uh, Akeem Tlaib, High Strutton. We remember all kinds of great stuff from the Insight Bowl that followed the next year, including that reasoning pass over the top to open the game. But to me, the, the big surprise play of the golden era of Mangino football was the fake punt 
McAnderson and Micah Brown combining. And so that's going to be a fun memory to reenact 14 years later. Uh, they're probably not either of them in anything close to game shape, but, you know, lumbering around at a little slower speed, but, but with uh, a microphone on and describing what was going on, I think that's going to kind of, kind of be fun for those that are lucky enough to be in the room here in about a week. Hey, Brian, going down to Memphis is you had some time to think about it, obviously, but is there any spots or any specific specific things you uh, you want to do or you're going to be doing down there as well? Well, I'm, I'm doing this interview in my office today at KU, and I've got a picture on the wall of my first ever road trip as voice of the Jayhawks. <clears throat> we had our broadcast crew out for dinner on Beale Street that night, and we went to Rendezvous Barbecue. I'm looking at it right now. And, and I'm not one of those, you know, Kansas City barbecue is better than anything in the world type guys. I'm proud of our barbecue. It's really good, and I put it up against anything. But I'm not one of those guys that's just, like, completely unwilling to taste other stuff and give it credit. But in this case, we definitely are better than Rendezvous, I think. At least at least the barbecue <laughs> I had that night. So, so I can't decide if I'm going to give Rendezvous a second chance because it's one of the more – popular, touristy Memphis barbecue places. Certainly open to suggestions from anybody in the RCST audience that's been to Memphis and has other places. A couple of folks have sent me stuff already, and so I'm going to be down there starting Christmas Day through the 29th, and so I'm going to have multiple chances to kind of you know, peruse everything that, that Memphis and the dry rub style um, has to offer. So I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, still, I still would put anything we got in Kansas City over rendezvous. And I hope that uh, you know, I try something a little bit better because until then, my mind's pretty set that we got the best barbecue. But, yeah, I'm going to do that. I, I was offered tickets to go see John Morant play the night before mm. the game uh, because the, the Grizzlies are hosting the Suns. Might do that after our big bowl show. We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm one of those guys I, I love to, uh, to make a memory or two, but this is definitely a business trip. So we're going to be locked in and ready for our biggest football call in years, and hopefully it's a victorious one at that. Do you have a favorite holiday dessert or treat at this time of year? Man, the phone cut out. Can you say that again, Derek? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite, completely switching gears here, do you have a favorite holiday dessert or treat? Wow. You know what? Our Hawk Talk family takes such good care of us. Uh, every single holiday season, we have the sweetest little old ladies that bring us full plates of cookies and all kinds of amazing, whether it's chocolate chip or, or somebody did these, these um, uh, the Couch family, you know, Colin Couch, famous KU football fan. His sister made us these Oreos dipped in red icing with a Santa Claus hat on it. So it's like a uh, a double-dipped Oreo cookie that looks like a Santa. Sinfully delicious. So good. Uh, but we walked out of there last night, Coach Self and I did, literally with an armful uh, of sugary, tasty goodness that I'm going to be paying for uh, you know, at the gym for the next three weeks probably. Yeah, everybody always talks about New Year's resolutions and getting in the gym. I, I think it's, it's because of the, the sweet treats and my sweet tooth that I get into trouble this time of year and the last week of December that has me you know, busting my tail the first week of January. But uh, that's pretty tough to beat. My mom makes the best hot chocolate in the world, she puts like twice the chocolate in her hot chocolate <laughs> and then has these, these big, like size of your fist marshmallows she drops in there. So I'm looking forward to one of those. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, all, all of that sounds good, but, but nothing beats just uh, you know, being around the table and, and whether you are a Christmas ham kind of guy or turkey or whatever, but breaking bread with your loved ones and counting your blessings this holiday season, remembering the reason for the season, that's the best part.
But uh, definitely looking forward to that. And grateful for our friendship with both you guys, man. You mean the world to me. And uh, hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season and so much to be thankful for this year, both on the field and in life. And, and you two are certainly blessings in my life. So thank you so much for all you do for me. Well, we appreciate that a lot, Brian. And uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, everything in between. And uh, before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. That's right. Nate Miller is going to get your financial future headed uh, in the same upward arrow that Kansas football is right now. He'll take a look at your current investments, or if you don't have a portfolio set up yet, he'll give you great advice on how to put one together. You can check him out at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com, and he'll put together a game plan for your most profitable financial future today. Happy holidays, guys. Happy New Year, and we will see you next week down on Beale Street. That was Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, thanks to Brian for coming on the show. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You'll be able to hear Brian on the call tomorrow for KU Harvard and a week from today for the Liberty Bowl against Arkansas right here on your original home for the Hawks, KLWN, and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got Bill Self audio from yesterday ahead of the Harvard game. This is RCST. Welcome back in. Quarter till five on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs is to welcome Sam Speck back into the KLWN studio. Oh, good to be back here on this Wednesday. A little earlier today, but that's fine. we got some KU stuff to uh, handle. Uh, week three it is, folks, and Nick with a big comeback win last week to tie things up. Not only in aggregate points for season two, eight to eight, but one and one, both you guys. And uh, we do encourage you that you play at home. So let's start with round number one here of Florida Man Mad Libs, which, let's of go. course, is just one redacted word. Let's start with this. Florida family, not just Florida man, but a Florida family was indicted, accused of selling blank as a COVID cure. So, jeez, oh, <laughs> let's get into this. So again, uh, the Florida family was indicted, accused of selling hydrogen peroxide, bleach, or good old Mountain Dew as a COVID cure. <laughs> so again, you got Mountain Dew, hydrogen peroxide, or bleach. Okay. Surely nobody believed that bleach. I would cure it. Okay, so I have a uh, I have a funny bleach story for you. Oh, but God. if you want to answer bleach, you can. You <laughs> I'm can not go gonna pick bleach. Out. Okay. No, I'm saying. I'm, no, I'm saying they would be like nobody would like because they're arrested for selling something that they say yeah. would, would cure it. Yeah. Nobody would believe them if it was bleach, right? I again, I don't think some people know. I'll just say this. I I heard a story before. Okay. Um, about somebody who walked into a pharmacy, and uh, they went up to the counter and were like, hey, my feet, I have this fungus and they're killing me. And he like took his socks off and they are just raw. They're disgusting. They're, they're broken. And he was like, the doctor told me to use bleach on my feet. And instead of just what you're supposed to do, which is like put like, it's like a teaspoon of, I mean, it's a very small amount of bleach in the water. He and let soaked soak. He soaked them in straight bleach. So my, oh. my point here, I, I think there's some people oh. who don't understand the potency of bleach. So I... I actually am going to go with bleach. Okay, so Derek locking in with bleach. <laughs> but I, I kind of hope it's Mountain Dew. I'm going to pick Mountain Dew. Okay. I think that's hilarious. Well, and it reminds so me like, of hey, Ricky Bobby. You do know, the Dew. Yeah. Mountain, Mountain Dew. That's right. That's right. Mountain so Dew is going to cure my COVID. <laughs> here's what we got. One point available here in round number one. Here's the full unredacted article. Florida family was indicted, accused of selling bleach as a COVID oh cure. So it was. Dude. Um, again, what? There's, there's a smell to it's it. It's not your birthday well. anymore, Nick. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. We Man. three. 
All right, Derek comes away with one point there. Let's get on to round two. And if you're unfamiliar with the game, there's now two redacted words and potential for three points to be gained. But if you only get one, then, of course, one point goes your way. But let's get into it here. Florida man charged after planting blank in a blank. So we'll start with the first redacted word. A Florida man was charged after planting a marijuana plant, banana tree, or a palm tree in a blank. And we'll get to the second redacted word momentarily. But again, I mean, we've got a Florida man charged after planting So the planting obvious a- answer is the marijuana plant. Right, because right, it's yeah. like, why would the banana... <laughs> Was it a banana, banana, uh, banana tree, tree or, banana? or, pa- or bananas tree. come on trees? I don't even know. Um, what do you mean do bananas? Yeah, I don't know. Bananas I don't grow know. on trees. I guess. Do you, I don't you don't know where bananas come from? They grow in plants. They, 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 they come from a bush. The banana swans fly in. The banana swans fly in. The bananas. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know where bananas come from? Uh, well, he I is feel the like banana wizard. I see him. I see. I feel like it should be the marijuana one, but I feel like that's almost too obvious. So let's see. A palm gonna, tree, gonna, which is pretty common down yeah, there. I'm, banana tree or marijuana pot, uh, pot plant. Mm, I'm going to go with palm tree. Right, I'll go with banana. Oh, Derek walking with the banana. Okay. And then the palm tree, which again, that is very common down there. Yep, but of course, it's Florida. Florida. Yep. I think it's legalized in Florida, but regardless. So we'll get to this. Florida man charged after planting again, either a banana tree, marijuana plant, or a palm tree in a pothole a cemetery or a sand trap and if you're not familiar with sand traps it's on a golf course it's a it's a hazard on a golf course but nonetheless interesting either a pothole a sand trap or a cemetery okay second redacted word i could see how somebody would easily get charged with planting a palm tree in a sand trap that would cause problems well, yeah, and you'd probably notice it. And not only exactly. that, but most golf courses are very private property, exactly. prestigious so type I'm, of areas. I'm really so. thinking it's – I think I'm going to have to go with Sand Trap here. So Nick's going to – yeah, at least he seems confident locked in at Sand Trap. So, again, Derek, your second redacted word could either be Sand Trap, a pothole, or a cemetery. No, I feel good about that. Like with the Sand Trap and the pothole, I feel like it would be easy to notice something is sprouting and you stop it. Um, well, but they didn't say oh, the I guess size that's true. of the tree. I guess that's true. But here's where I'm going. The I'm going the with the uh, the cemetery because I, I have heard this before about the idea that when you pass away, you, you, you reuse your body going to the as tree. soil. Yep. And yep. then, yes. So I think that was the but idea here. why would you get charged? I, it's because it's probably I don't know, private property. Private again. property. Not, you can maybe it wasn't, plant yeah. things on maybe their grass, it wasn't, right? Uh, his relative, or it wasn't. It was just some random person. Well, I like, just I think you probably need permission to do it somewhere. You, okay. I sure. don't know. Well, in my bad boys, I didn't give you the first redacted word when we got there, but it was well, banana I, I like tree. It better when we do it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll keep uh, it yeah, out. I but uh, Florida man yeah. charged after planting a banana tree in a pothole. Ah, oh my. So uh, long story Dude, short, this guy he was he was pissed off at the city for not repairing a pothole that was outside of his house. Yeah, so That's he hilarious. just put a banana tree in the I pot. I didn't know you could so. buy bananas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But again, uh, he was angry at the lack thereof of construction on the pothole in front of his house and uh, just decided to put the biggest of obstacle in the way. Well, not biggest, but I'm sure a banana tree uh, certainly would be an obstacle. Yeah. So, all yeah. right, Derek coming away with one point there. But let's get it around three here. Still plenty of time for Nick to run away with week three. So Florida man arrested after allegedly... Blanking, so this is a verb, blanking homes of families blank. So we'll get to the second blank here in a second. Uh, and by the way, the second redacted <laughs> word is actually multiple words. So oh. it just has to go with that. We'll get to that in a moment. But okay. a Florida man arrested after allegedly damaging, burglarizing, or egging homes of families blank. So again, you've got egging, damaging, or burglarizing here on this first one. So nefarious okay. I don't, in all three assets. I don't think it's 
damaging. That's too vague. <laughs> I feel like it's got to be either burglarizing or egging. Which, like, I wish there was some clue as to the age of this man. Because if he was a... <laughs> if he was a he's 16 years he's old. 17 for sure. Might give it away. But, man, I... I think... I think I'm going to still go with egging. All right, Nick's locking in with egging, man. But it could be burglarizing. But I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go with egging. So he's stuck between those two, but he's kind of going with egging for now. We'll get back to your locked-in answer. Derek, though, egging, damaging, burglarizing. What was this man doing in this house? Ah... Uh, <laughs> I, I want to go with egging. All right. Okay. So yeah. both okay. Derek and Nick, are we locked in at egging here? Yeah, I'll lock it in. Yeah, that's All right. fine. All right. And again, we'll we'll keep it uh, yep. secret. Yep. Yeah, yep. we'll keep yep. it secret yep. to the next one. So the homes of families, blank. And again, this is a multiple word on the second one. So again, a Florida man arrested after allegedly either burglarizing, damaging, egging homes of families that were on vacation, attending funerals, or with a blue house. <laughs> See, okay. So if they if they were if they were at funerals or if they were away on vacation, that would make sense with the burglarizing. One. Like maybe yeah. he works at the funeral home and yep. so he knows when they're he gonna be away from the home, right? Gonna be there. Yep. But if we're going with egging, it has to be the blue house, right? What does that even mean? <laughs> well he I don't know. He like, just what, doesn't like, what? like the color blue. I don't blue. understand. What where, I don't I don't what what's the correlation here? What, what's the? What he, he hates the, blue the color blue. He hates the color blue. It reminds him of this something. This man lives in Florida. There's an ocean. The ocean is blue. The whole you ocean. You can egg an ocean. You can try. Blue houses. You can uh, throw eggs in the ocean. Derek's Nobody's going with you. blue houses uh, again. Either homes <laughs> or family. Figure out what this guy's angle is. What? I don't understand. Uh, okay. So either a family gonna, that were attending funerals on vacation, or they just have just to, to have be a blue different house. from Derek. I'm gonna I'm gonna say. On vacation. Okay. On vacation. <laughs> and here it is, full unredacted word. And the house wins. Florida man arrested after allegedly burglarizing homes of families attending funerals. Uh, so the house both wins. Wrong. Oh, That's right. Dude, that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. It doesn't. No. We've only been pretty <laughs> good about excited. No. We've normally been pretty good about getting at least one. Point for Sam. Oh, that's right. Uh, and Derek now still with a slim lead, but it's also nothing. still obtainable. I don't I haven't even scored a point. Yeah, but right. if you get if you get both here yeah, and I, I get none, you would win three yes. to two. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And well, even if you just get one and he gets the whole thing, then at least it ties it and yeah. we go into week three. The same or week. Here we go. I got the ball so. 25, 75 yards in a dream. Here it fourth is. Fourth quarter. Florida man arrested after getting blank by blank at a home he tried to burglarize. So I tried to bring this back. No, they're not related uh, <laughs> stories either between the this two. Is but not, this is not the same yeah. guy. So that, yeah, yeah, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> Florida man arrested after getting blanked by blank at a home he tried to burglarize. So getting pinned, attacked, or cut. By blank at a home. I'm gonna cut you. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say pinned. I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that just seems unique. Like, what if it's like a the guy's like a, a former well, uh, wrestler or something like that, and he pinned no, him okay, down. So my I, we haven't we haven't heard the second blank yet. But my logic with pinned is like the guy breaks into the house and then like the like the dresser or something falls on him and pins mm, him. That would be so then funny. He's stuck and then the cops show up and they arrest. That's him good. Stuck. Well, I'm pinned. going with pinned. So. Well, but I feel like I need to go some different then because I need so to win. So you could or couldn't because what Sam said, if you, if you you still gotta you could answer differently points. on the second one, and then if you hit it, we would tie, unless okay. you we both miss the first. I think it's pinned. Then you would lose. I, well, I'd stick with the gut then. I think I'm, the gut, I'm gonna go. But with if you go with pinned, it guarantees that at best, at best you, all you can do is tie. Yeah. 
going to hedge his bets? What's well, the gamble? But, okay, What's, for what aggregate doing here? points, well, though, I think I need to go that's with fair. maximum yeah. points. You can look we, to we the, still are early on you know, early, season. But yeah. I need every point I can get. Okay. I don't have any right now. Okay. I have zero. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm right, gonna Nick, go, I'm going to go with pin. I'm going with pin. Okay, so Nick's locking in with pin. Both Derek and Nick are locked in at pin. Florida man arrested after either getting pinned, cut, or attacked by a window. The dog or the garage door at a home, which he tried Ooh, to burglarize. Yeah, okay, this be, has to be garage door garage pinned. Door. I am wondering though if it's cut with the window, if he jumped like, out of the himself? window and he cut himself. So I'm wondering if I should hedge my bet here. <sighs> Maybe the dog pinned him. Maybe it's the Doberman. Could be. Or a, I will uh, say to, to bring resolution to this, he was caught in this position. By the way, so he was arrested in this position. I'm thinking garage. Okay, I think so. Sam just gave it away. It's got to be pinned. And I think it's got to be garage. But he could have been trying to go through the window, and it like cut him, and he just stayed. And he there. was just. Stuck. I am going garage though. Stuck so Derek's gonna go with garage. So are you gonna try and mimic that, or again, you have to in order? Okay, wait, wait. So, so read the headline again. Okay, Florida man arrested after getting blank by blank at a home he tried getting to burglarize in the window. That's possible. Yeah, I'm gonna go with window. Okay, so Nick's gonna go with window here, and Derek's gonna go with garage door. So here is the full unredacted. Article headline for you boys as we just about wrap up this week. Florida man arrested after getting pinned by window at a oh, home. Oh, oh, wow. So look at that in week three with high at okay. three, three points. I want to know what this window looks like and how did it pin him? It must have it's been like, like one, one of those, those laundry room up. windows. No, yeah, it came down on him. and he tried to climb in and it came down. <laughs> must be a really heavy window though. Well, Couldn't I push mean, it back you know, up. Some of those old ones, they're yeah. like, the windows are Maybe really got wedged. You know, like that yeah, the, yeah, sideways the windows wedge. are really stiff. So mm-hmm. you know, he, he get he gets he gets it open, and then it, it falls on him, and he can't push it back up. Certainly could have happened, but boys, again, you know, if you're if you're like uh, if you're like laying over the window, you know what I mean, like, and it's like comes down on your back, you don't mm-hmm. have, really have the ability to yeah like, much leverage, and you can't even really turn around either. So yeah, all right, exactly, boys, so again, exactly. week three ends in a tie. We end in a tie after three weeks. Mm-hmm. Florida man Mad Libs next week. Thanks so much for including me in your joy and your fun and. That is all, boys. Have fun. Thanks, Sam. Sam Speck with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's it for RCST today. We're out. Uh, Hawk Talk with Ray Bouchard, 5-6. to six. Tip-off Kansas in their women's basketball game at Nebraska and Lincoln at 6. All right here on your home for the Hawks with KLWN. Have a good rest of your day. Don't forget to check out the best of RCST podcast. See you tomorrow for a short show right here on KLWN. Later.